Hi everybody, welcome back. This is another Beef and Lamb New Zealand Seen and Heard podcast. I'm back in my second spiritual home, Gore. Um, those of you that know my history, I lived and worked down here and I love coming back to Southland, catching up with the people. Um, Olivia Ross, our energetic extension manager down here, has got another one of her events and she asked me, politely, which if you know Olivia, you don't say no, to come down and interview a couple of the speakers and get some podcasts on tap. So I'm here with Julia Jones, Head of Analytics at NZX. Welcome, Julia. Hi, thanks for having me. All right, let's get the details. Who, what? NZX for those that don't know? So it is New Zealand Stock Exchange. Mm -hmm. So we look at the dairy markets. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole lot of dairy research that goes on and and wider agri research. But then we also have equities and companies like Mm -hmm. Spark and Fonterra and and LIC and other companies that are actually listed and people can buy shares in them. Okay, so it's not a share broker or such? No, 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 no. We actually facilitate it. So we're the the centre. The whole share market? The whole share market, Yeah, yeah. So everyone that's listed works through us and yep. share brokers sell shares. Okay. So you're head of analytics. Yep. So what do you do day to day? So my role is about insight and data. I have an amazing team. Um, one actually ex beef and mm-hmm. lamb, Rob Gibson, who's fantastic. So he's an oh, economist. That's yep. yep. And um, Amy Castleton, they they focus mainly on agri. So mm-hmm. Rob looks at the, the farm level through what's happening mm-hmm. in New Zealand and production and Amy looks at the international markets. Mm-hmm. And then I've got two data scientists who look at the equities and mm-hmm. financial modelling and things. And my role is actually to be out learning, growing. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of insight and um, write reports and, and look at what things that trends are emerging across agriculture mm-hmm. that could impact our okay. growers and what might they need to think about. So you're providing that information to the general public or to people that are, you know, companies like you mentioned that are on the share market? A little, what, it's a little bit of both. Okay. So some of it is is sold into the market, but some of, you know, the, there's a big portion of it's quite public. Mm-hmm. So we recently did an environment social governance report mm-hmm. that looked at, at issuers or people who are on the stock exchange, mm-hmm. how they're looking at environment. And it was really new for me because I didn't really know what it meant. I had to Google it, as all good people do. Mm-hmm. Um, to be talking, you know, these general businesses are having the same discussions that farmers have been having for years. Yep. So are you head of agri-analytics or are you head of analytics across all types of businesses? Across all the businesses, okay. yeah. But you have a strong agri-focus? Well, it's in my heart. It's, it's okay. why I get up every day. Um, I'm on the primary sector council. Mm-hmm. I've been part of the agri-industry for 20-odd okay. years. I just, it's, it's literally everything to me. So give us the background. When you say 20-odd years in the agri-industry, what have you done? Oh, so I started off in um, as a currency trader. Mm-hmm. So I was with um, ANZ to start with, and mm-hmm. we went to ASB. Yep. And when I was with ASB, I had an opportunity to travel the country. I actually used to come to Gore quite a lot then and um, talk about how, just because things are happening overseas, if I'm a sheep and beef farmer or a dairy farmer, mm-hmm. why does that matter to me? Yep. And sort of try and connect the links. And so I was, that was a very fortunate role that I had. I really loved it. Um, and then I moved into um, actual rural banking, mm-hmm. we're back with ANZ, um, and was working directly with farmers and lending, and I had a, had a rural banking team there. Um, after mm-hmm. that, I spent six years with Ian Proudfoot, okay. who's yep. sort of like a food futurist, and um, I was really lucky to learn from him, um, and he was very generous with his time and his energy and support um, of changing, sort of teaching you ways to think. Mm-hmm teaching you ways to look at the world differently and teaching you to step outside your own way of thinking yep. and look from another, another angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was, that was really incredible. So if it wasn't for Ian, I wouldn't have been able to do this job with NZX. 
So that's a nice segue, looking at things differently, because one of the key topics I think you're talking about today is alternatives, specifically alternative proteins. Um, By the time this goes live, Olivia's event will be over, so we're not taking the wind out of her sails or out of the people. What are you going to talk about today? What's your key messages? I will talk a little bit about alternatives. I think... um Look, they get a lot of airtime. So there's cellular, which is mm-hmm. where you know they they pretty much take the stem cells mm-hmm. out and grow, grow the proteins. Um, and then you've got your plant based, so your Impossible Foods and Vivera and the like, where they've actually created made plants act like meat. Mm-hmm. And oh, look, I've I've been talking about this for year, probably three, maybe nearly four years now. The alternatives. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and there's insects as well. <laughs> yep. So you know, people eat insects. That's that's been around for thousands of years. But I think the, the alternatives around the plant and the cellular-based is, is difficult for people to get their head around. Mm. Um, I, won't pers- I don't personally like them. Mm-hmm. I like natural foods, yep. but I'm one consumer out of billions. And that's another thing we've got to remember. What we won't like doesn't mean someone else won't. Yep. But at the same time, I think we overplay the mm. technology. It's very difficult to scale these mm-hmm. things at a cost that is affordable. We should never ignore it, mm-hmm. and we should never say it's silly. It's not going away. It's here forever, mm-hmm. um, and it will impact our market, but it also creates fantastic opportunities for the red meat market as well. And that's what I want to sort of talk about now because um, everything you've described, to some degree or another, sounds like a threat. More. These are a competition. Yeah. They're an alternative. Whether it's um, you know scalable to a large scale, the size of the threat is one thing, but you're – topic or your title is the opportunities for farmers in it so how do we actually this is like the all blacks or the black caps making an opportunity yeah. out of the all blacks winning the world cup but what are you talking about how do what are the opportunities i know and it is it is sometimes hard to see look ultimately what you'll find is a lot of these products will go into the commodity market mm-hmm. so there's actually if i look at it in sort of maybe two different ways so the first way is nutrition yep. so you can make something look and taste like mm-hmm. meat you can't make it have the same nutritional um, um, mm-hmm. Makeup of it because it's really complex. So mm-hmm. our dairy, our, our dairy is really complex, and our meats are really complex. So mm-hmm. you can't replicate the nutrition from them. So what we need to make sure is that we are demonstrating that we have nutrition. Mm-hmm. And one thing I will talk about today is around we have to be careful that we don't undersell what doesn't um, what matters, mm-hmm. when, and then oversell what doesn't matter. Okay. So everyone has great scenery, right? And right. New Zealand is terrible for overselling our scenery. Mm-hmm. But what we undersell is the nutritional content, the process in which we actually make our food. Okay. Because people aren't buying a product now, they're buying the process in which it's created. So be more specific, you're not talking about the chemical makeup of the meat and those, you're talking about the the farm system? The farm system, yeah. So what did you you not put into it? Yep. What did you actually do? What's your family about? What's your mm-hmm. what's your philosophy and how you farm? I mean, it's really hard at a farmer level to do that mm-hmm. all the time. You'll find some people on Twitter, but that's not for everyone either. Mm. Um, but I think that's the opportunity. And then nu- nutritional clinical studies, which First Light Meat have done, mm-hmm. some clinical studies to show what the actual impact is on the body. Um, they have been done historically, but yep. that's sort of all gone away. But the other side of it is being... You know, we are really small. We're one, mm. less than 1% of the total global food system, which I think is awesome because it means that we can be nimble. We can get our red meat into really good restaurants that have a chain mm. and be, you know, the $50 steak. Mm-hmm. We can be, and, and other restaurants that will use other parts of our animal because, you know, unfortunately it's not all about steak mm-hmm. as much as it is in my life. But it's, you know, and those sorts of things. So there's opportunities yep. for us to actually be targeting these markets. It's, it's difficult. We're very commodity-based and we have mm-hmm. been for a long time. Um, I think that's not that anyone did anything wrong with that. It's paid the bills. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got us into some really good places, and it potentially could take us to some bad places 
if we don't start to transition out of it. And I'm not saying you turn the tap off overnight, yep. but we start getting more into that value add mm. and more into that. How, how, where are we positioning parts of the animal? Are we actually using all the animal? Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of circular type economies can we use? You know, when we use all of the animal, are we promoting that? Mm. I mean, look at wool. Wool's yep. a great example. Isn't it sad that everyone thought that's terrible, yet it's great for allergies mm-hmm. and uh, as a carpet, it biodegrades. Oh, I don't want a carpet that lives 150 years longer than me. You know, it's, it's, these are the sorts mm. of things that I think we're starting to understand attributes that are wanted and promote those rather than the things we think people want to hear. So not specifically getting into wool, but thinking of the industry's response, or certainly Beacon Lamb's response, has been largely the, the Taste Pure Nature program. Yeah. Um, a lot of information on alternative proteins and looking at those on our website. We'll put the link to those. But as a, what do you think of the, the Taste Pure Nature program in terms of what you just talked about as the way we need to respond? Yeah, I mean, what I what I loved is you first started with understanding. Mm-hmm. So you did the old COVID. You, you, you went out and you seek to understand mm-hmm. before being understood. So you went out and you... And it was pretty gutsy of Beef and Lamb to go out and do the alternative protein study. You know, those things are scary. You've gone into market and understood what does value look like? What does a value chain mm-hmm. look like? What does this mean? So if we want to get our food into the US um, where they love meat and they want nat- natural... Uh then what does that look like? How do we get it to Uh them? So I think my view is it's been beautifully done because it's been done in stages and it's been done by people who are really passionate Uh about it. And their intention is to make it better for New Zealand. Uh It's not a singular company going out just to do their own thing. Yep. So that's my take on that. So you're not putting you too much on the spot, but do you think it will achieve some of the things you think we need to achieve? Or it's going to help? I think it's certainly going to help shift the dial so I think mm-hmm. you know you're unwinding many 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 years of a different way of thinking yep. so you, you don't flick the you can't flick the switch overnight with that so I think it's going to take some time it's it's certainly created conversations that hadn't happened before and we get nowhere without that mm. well it's up to us if it succeeds mm-hmm. but we can't put all of that on beef and lamb either you don't you're not the chair of every meat company board on every board you know you there are yep. multiple factors here that you have to kind of um mm think about and you have and you can only do what you can do but from my view or my view is that um, beef and lamb are absolutely doing everything they can in this space I, what I would love to see holistically across all industry though is that more collaboration between mm. the actual different sectors because the good for New Zealand is actually us as a mm-hmm. successful agri sector and we might all grow different things at some point Good. Well, see, these segues are just keep coming. This is awesome because one of the things I did as a bit of research was found an article you'd written a while oh, back yeah. for a letter from the future. You just said, you know, unwinding many, many years back, and I thought you're talking from 2030, and for a while I thought that was many, many years in the future, but it's only about a decade away. Um, going to come to some of the specifics of that. One of the things, you know, you're in analytics and looking at things, there seem to be a lot of things worrying us in agriculture at the moment, worrying farmers. We've obviously got freshwater policy and those sorts of things. Is it actually worse at the moment or is the reason to be less optimistic about the future than we have had in the last many, many years of you know, farming? Mm. I've done it for a while, you've done it for a while. There always is something yeah. we're trying to address. I mean, is it worse at the moment? Oh, I love this question and it scares me because I don't think people like my answer. I don't think it is worse. I think it's faster Uh um, and that's probably scarier. And I think maybe the magnitude of changes is is Mm. bigger than it has been. So... uh, but I see the world through rainbows, so I'm never going to think mm. something's worse. Um, but but I, I, there's never not been a time of change. Yep. The speed of it, and I think lots of things coming at people. 
My take on it is a bit of the uncertainty. So when you might have a mm. climate change policy here and you might have a water policy, that's great. I don't have a target that I can understand mm. and I can work towards. And some people work really well in that space and uh, some people don't. And, and that's what creates the anxiety mm-hmm. and the tension. Um, you know, we've had people kind of, you know, fighting with their swords around this fight change at all costs. I, um, I'd say to people to actually have be wary. That's your oysters there's, ready. There's my oysters. Um, I'd tell people to be really wary of people fighting change because change will happen whether you like it or not. It's mm-hmm. completely and utterly inevitable. Um, but I, I don't think it's worse. I think it's just probably a bigger magnitude okay. and at a greater speed. Look, I just want to reinforce on behalf of Beef and Lamb New Zealand Levy Pays, we were joking about the oysters. We've just been, Julia's just ordered her lunch. That's the, the <laughs> thing telling her lunch is ready. And we were joking about putting, I think they were $42 for a dozen or something. I know, the RSA, that's fantastic. And they have white bait. And we were going to put those on Olivia Ross's bill, but no, Olivia wouldn't forgive us. Um, back to what I was talking about. So you wrote this letter from the future, and you just yep. talked there about you, did you use rainbow, rose-coloured glasses, rainbow-coloured yep. glasses or whatever. But uh, 2030, what are we going to be happy about and pleased about and, and optimistic about yeah. in 2030. I think the whole idea of it was of writing it was actually to say imagine what a success look like and I do have a real worry at the moment that we've stopped being able to see things that are good um, that we've stopped being able to see the value of things that are um, that are actually happening because it's not all bad you know we actually have probably have more progress than we've ever had we've got more support than we've ever had we've got more expertise around us than we've ever had so you know for me about that letter was what what does the future look like and I think if we went to that time frame the most important thing to see would be seeing our industries come together and look the example I'll give is when I go and talk with dairy you know dairy groups because I talk to all sectors Mm -hmm. It's, you know, people will often say, oh, poor, poor red meat guys, they're in the sunset industry. And I go and talk to red meat mm. and they're like, oh, that poor dairy industry, mm. you know, you know, we're actually all going to end if we yep. don't work together because we actually are going to have to have biodiversity. We could have mixed up farms. Some regions might go back to some red meat out of dairy and some mm-hmm. regions might go to dairy and there'll be some reshuffling of the deck. Um, but I think for the future, the letter for me was about what do we actually want to be proud of? Yeah. Like, and, and, and really is if we have looked back and future generations take pride in what we've done, mm. that we invest today for something we won't see the benefit of. Mm-hmm. That intergenerational investment is something really new to all New Zealand mindsets, not just agri. I think yeah. any business we invest and we want to see an instant return. We're all, we're all millennial investors, really. Yeah, well, see, that's interesting. So this article that Julia wrote, if you haven't seen it, it was in the country. That's probably a couple of months ago because this seminar has been postponed, but I'd kept it in my research materials. One of the things I pulled out of that, speaking about investing, in, was you said something about um, shouldering some balance sheet pain, not necessarily for a return. What are you talking about there? You're thinking... We... Well, you won't see the return. So, look, I think we've got to be realistic that life costs money, mm-hmm. so we're always going to have to have economic returns of some kind. We need to make sure that the economic returns... Don't, aren't at the um, risk of our social, our society, our communities and our environment. Mm-hmm. But we need, the, the flip side of that is we need economics, we need profitability to mm-hmm. actually pay to, to maintain strength in those areas mm-hmm. as well. So for me it was, you know, you might invest in something on your farm today and it might hurt and so it might take you back a couple of years or it might take you back a year mm-hmm. with what you're doing and you might not necessarily see the super benefit of it, but mm-hmm. the next generation will. Yep. So you, you're going to have some pain today mm-hmm. around, and maybe for 10 years. And it's, Sorry, I don't mean it's going to be awful for 10 years, but there might be some balance sheet pain. Yep. Um, we may, you know, if there were land values reduced for a short period of time as, as we all adjusted to a new environment, mm. 
for the environment, mm-hmm. then um, that might be something else that I was, that's what I was thinking of as well. But let's not just think it's the apocalypse because mm-hmm. it's not all over. Mm. But you're saying that's something we probably haven't done or it hasn't been the mindset in agriculture for a long time? It's I been think about more for multiple life. reasons, and I never ever want farmers to feel like they're at fault. Mm-hmm. I think this is more an ecosystem, the people yep. around them. So as banks, what's your production next season? Mm-hmm. And so we think season to season to season. I mean, dairy's even worse. We think GDT every two weeks. Yep. Um, so, you know, uh, that's the that's the problem we've had is, is we've we've been... We've behaved ourselves into a short-term situations, mm. and then we try to talk ourselves out of it. Yep. And, you know, you can't talk yourself out of a situation you've behaved your way into. So now we're trying really hard to unwind some of those behaviours, understand beyond that season, do five-year plans, and this isn't unique to Agri. Mm. Most New Zealand businesses are terrible at looking at anything beyond, you know, today. Yep. So... And one of the other wee things in there, and, and you've sort of touched on about getting out of the, we're in the red meat industry, or you're in the dairy industry, we're in yep. whatever you want to call it, you know, New Zealand Inc., New Zealand Ag, all these sort of you, you, One thing I just wanted to pick up on, you're talking there about taking multiple products into markets, and you're collaborative. Are you talking about there we sell the, God forbid, the, 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 the steak with the cheese sauce as one? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, not necessarily as one, but it might be the channel, so, mm-hmm. and, and they might already do it. So it's all rich for me to say this, you know, and mm-hmm. for all we know, Fonterra and, um, you know, Silver Firm Farms do it every day. But it's, um, you know, it's going to market as an industry, as, mm-hmm. as a brand New Zealand, as mm-hmm. a, and not again with scenery, not put in, you know, pretty seas, oceans mm-hmm. and hills up, but actually this is the value of how we produce. This is what we produce together. Yep. And I, I seen it as using, utilising channels, and it might be a restaurant. Or it might be a hotel chain, mm-hmm. and it might be a you know that we've got um, beautiful lamb in, and you know beautiful lamb racks going in, and there's the apple board are giving mm-hmm. uh, you know this we get them in and they do something with the pears for the desserts, and then we've got Fonterra coming in or whoever mm. or Meadaka with beautiful you know any of these these cool companies, um, and that's another thing I think we've got to remember too for New Zealand we actually have enough space for everyone to succeed. Mm-hmm. So we've got to stop playing processes off against each other. We've got to, in all industries, mm. um, we need everyone to succeed in all our regions. Yep. Um, we don't, because one succeeds at the cost of another, that's not success. And that is, but coming back, one of my last questions, Taste Your Nature, one of the themes around that, and I think you mentioned it, was to try and get away from the, it's Alliance versus Silver Fern yeah. versus First Light, et cetera. Um, a, do you think that is changing? And B, is there genuine appetite to do that? You know, not outside the red, so the red meat industry and the dairy industry, as immediate examples, when there's horticulture, apples, all those things yeah. you talked about. Look, I think it naturally does happen in, in mm-hmm. a lot of the other sectors that are smaller. So you look okay. at some of the fisheries, and there'll be problems. And I'm sure anyone can, you know, feel free to email me at any time if you want to, <laughs> you know, query this. But there, there are nothing's perfect. So yep. no industry is doing it amazingly Mm. so when you have multiple desks selling you're going to have to work together but you know when you're quite a bit smaller so if you're the apples or and that sort of thing then Mm. they do tend to work together um dairy is actually not too bad so when you go into market Mm. it's very rare maybe gdt or no gdt all the volume goes together but um you might see some competition but not really like they Mm. are actually they have their own little individual spaces Mm -hmm. and they're not really driving each other down i'm sure there's some stuff goes in the background we don't know about um, but yeah, we do need to see them. We can. Do, I think it's possible. I think it's what does that investment look mm. like? Have we got the maturity to do it? And I mean this with love and respect, but it won't sound it. I think some of the leadership needs to go, and some of the organisations, mm-hmm. in particular, around red meat. We need to change the leadership so that we actually have people who don't have a history and mm-hmm. haven't got a heap of baggage, and who are actually prepared to come together 
and start with a clean slate. Stop punishing for the past mm-hmm. and just move forward. Okay. So quite a culture change which culture is going to be led plus, by yeah. heads rolling. This, or, yeah. Not necessarily or people rolling, voting, yeah. people voting them out, right? Yep. Like, okay. If you're not happy, stop voting the same people in. Okay. Encourage other people to stand for these elections, you know? That's the point of them being there is so that we get new people coming through, yet we keep recycling the same leadership mm. and getting the same decisions. And then we were confused why we're getting the same result. When I uh, was planning this, I thought I'm going to need more time than 20 minutes, but that's all I've got, unfortunately, because Olivia, because we're just starting to get into some stuff that would be really interesting, although with me as a Beef and Lamb New Zealand staff member, <laughs> I'd be very careful when it's your opinions and not necessarily the opinions of Beef and Lamb New Zealand exactly. Limited. Anyway, hey, look, last question I was going to wrap up. Um, we are short of time, and you've got to have lunch and then get ready to speak, um, and it's going to take you a while to eat two dozen oysters. Um, <laughs> If last night, big lotto draw, if you'd won, well, you may have, but you're still here anyway, but hypothetically, if you won that, would you buy a farm? I would. And what would you buy and where? Oh, it's a hard one. I mean, I love where I live and I've got mm-hmm. lazy, you know. I'm 43 and I'm well, four now um, and I can't <laughs> be bothered moving. But um, I'm, I'm kind of a little bit sneaky cheeky. I'd, I'd love to probably buy something in the Waikato just because mm-hmm. I'm there. And, um, but, you know, I'd love to... The reason I, I've actually thought about this a lot. Yep. The reason I would love something like that is to actually go and be able to go in debt free and actually mm-hmm. almost experiment and say, mm-hmm. I'm going to have this much beef and I'm going to have dairy over here. And okay, what does it I actually am. look like? Yep. That's kind of a weird dream of mine if I could mm-hmm. win the 30 odd million and actually be able to go and buy a farm debt free and actually be able to play around a little bit with biodiversity. Mm. So, yeah, I just, I mean, I, I you know, uh, there's parts of every industry I love, yep. and it would be very hard to say which one I'd do, but I'd definitely buy a farm. Now, it wasn't a trap, but it's actually, it just reminded me that in your article as well, you talked about um, more integration of species and industries, even within a farm, not yep. just at the New Zealand level. So, Right, we do have to wrap up, but if people want to follow more of your staff, hear more of your work, some of your thoughts, uh, what's the best way? Twitter? I have a Twitter handle, which is juliajones110. Um, or you can email me on julia.jones at nzx.com anytime. All right. Well, have a look below the um, where this is playing on your podcast app or, or, what, or on our website, whatever you're listening to. We'll have those in the blurb as well. But um, Julia Jones, Head of Analytics at NZX, thanks very much for your time. And, Thank you. Um, lunch is ready. Yay.